Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Coach Taku. I'm here with the wonderful, amazing, and most brilliant Christina. And of course, I'm Mary. And today we're going to be covering like the pulp fiction of all anime, an OG in its own right, Cowboy Bebop. And Cowboy Bebop, if you haven't seen it, it's full of like iconic visualizations like there's references to Bruce Lee there's references to Pulp Fiction there's references to uh, film noir and James Bond like really interesting and it takes place in like a dystopian era where um, everyone is now humans are all living in space after an accident happened with the moon like I don't know 60 years ago and people are just now traveling all over through space and Bebop is actually the spaceship that our characters are in. And um, they're called the Cowboys, a reference to bounty hunters. So Cowboy Bebop is actually about a team of like misfits and uh, bounty hunters that are out trying to get bad guys. And the coaching topic that we're gonna be talking about is completion. So Christina, talk to us about completion and how it fits in this crazy Bebop world. You know, I'm absolutely going to, Mary, but before I do, I just have to say, Cowboy Bebop isn't just an OG anime. I don't know about you, but I rank it in the, it's like in the list of anime that had such a large following that you're allowed to like it and still be cool, which sounds like a really, really funny thing to say on a coaching podcast. But if you're listening, you know exactly what I mean. Like other anime, like if you wore a Naruto shirt, to school, if you wore, uh, you know, if you had a backpack with a My Hero Academia uh, keychain on it, like people might look at you kind of funny. But Cowboy Bebop was just one of those anime that had such a large following in North America that it was totally fine to show your appreciation for it. And I don't know if you have any memories like this, Mary, but I even recall there was this guy in my high school, my freshman year, that dressed up as Spike for Halloween. Like he like made his own Spike costume and showed up and everyone was really into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just wanted to offer that fun little anecdote and then talk about completion. So completion, as you might assume from what you know the word to mean, is it's essentially the act of releasing burdensome feelings. And so in other words, one way I like to think of it is, you know, while you're listening, suddenly think about what you ate for lunch last week. You probably don't remember, right? And the reason you don't remember, I would assert, is because you don't carry energy around what you ate for lunch last week. However, if I asked you, you know, who's someone that, you know, you broke up with that you still think about? Or what was the name of your biggest bully in high school? Or, you know, what's the job that you regret not getting an offer for? I guarantee you're going to remember that because you hold emotional weight around it. 
And so completion is a tool that we use in coaching to support people in releasing that emotional weight. Not because those events don't matter, but because the assertion is that the weight is actually keeping you from things. And so Cowboy Bebop is a great series to investigate completion because what's very telling about the characters is they all have these tragic backstories and you see the way that their backstories oftentimes impact the different bounties that they're trying to go for and the other adventures that they're on. So Mary, where do you want to start? Because I feel like the whole cast could use a good dose of completion, but who should we start with? Let's start with Jet, actually, because Jet is, so the story starts and the first characters we see are Spike and Jet, and they're our original Bebop duo. And Jet is this big guy, and I think at some point they mentioned like he's 36 or 37 in the series, but he looks much older. And what you can tell about Jet is that he's, once you get past like the facade of him, because he's all muscles is that he's actually very kind and caring and actually acts like a father figure to most of the characters in the show. Um, And Jet is really carrying the weight of his past, both physically, literally with his arm, and also um, just emotionally. Like he can't get past the accident that actually caused him to lose his arm. And he carries that and he carries like this resentment almost and uh, regret, like he's full of regret for his past relationship that failed, and he's full of resentment over this incident that he lost his arm in, and carries a lot of almost anger towards the person, the criminal that he that escaped in the process. And I think what's interesting about Jet is that, uh, while well, later on he figures out that it wasn't the story didn't quite work out the way that he thought it did, and that actually shifts everything for him. <laughs> So, Christina, what do you see like in terms of completion for him? Because I feel like he has so much that he's carrying and misconstruing as a result. Yeah, well, one thing that I just want to say about this overall is, surprise, surprise, Christina has another moment in which she wants to talk about how the visual storytelling plays with the thematic concerns of the series. But, you know, Mary's been pointing to the fact that Jet has lost his arm and as a result has this really cool cybernetic one. And what I notice about a lot of the characters is their incompletions are present somewhere on their body. And so for Jet, he literally had to replace an arm. In other words, you can think of it as like the way in which he carries the weight of the world is represented in his physical form. And so for Jet, he spends a lot of time harboring resentment and frustration for, you know, having things go this way. And I think what's really interesting to your point, Mary, you start to hint at this is like for Jet, I think the act of completion is being willing to look at that part of the past again. And for these characters, it happens a little more forcefully because that's how you move a plot along. But there are key moments for everyone in Bebop where they're really forced to face their past and realize that the thing that they're running away from or the thing that they're harboring resentment for isn't what it appears to be. And that realization is what forces them to look at life in a completely different way. And so for Jet, the completion is in letting go of his feelings or interpretations of what happened which ultimately lead him to realize that this incident occurred because he was betrayed by his partner, which 
could use a round of completion in itself, but it's fascinating how you see this man who, to your point, is younger than he appears because he's been withered away by this frustration and this guilt and this anger, spend all this time interpreting his life a certain way and then realize that it didn't even go the way he thought that it did. And so I think that's the importance of completion is because when we're incomplete and we hold on to the incompletion, we continue to look at life from that place and it actually keeps us from getting to where we want to go. And I think another character in the series that really emphasizes this idea of when you're always looking back, you can't possibly look forward to Spike. So Mary, why don't you dive into Spike? Because I see you giving me the fervent head nod over here. (laughs) Oh, Spike, Spike, Spike. I mean, talk about incompletion. The, The visual for him is his eye. Like one eye is actually fake and it's always looking towards the past. And the other eye is in the present. So it's funny because for none of these characters is the future a thing. Like we see them roaming in space, but what the ultimate goal is or why they're roaming in space or where they're going is really not a conversation that we're a part of at any point in time. They're almost like stuck in this limbo between past and present moment. And that's it. There's nothing else. And this is especially true for Spike who can't move by his past. Like all he's doing is kind of running away from it or hiding from it. And then when he's faced with the choice of like, oh, well, here's your past again. The first thing he does is run towards it. (laughs) He doesn't try to move forward. (laughs) He just runs back to it, like where he's comfortable. And Spike is such a tragic figure for me because it's precisely because he's not present to his future that he can't see it, that he's stuck here, even though he's such a powerful character. He's insightful and he's kind and he's caring. And we have moments where we see that he's building a little tribe with Bebop, with the people on Bebop. And we know we have like a glimpse of what it could be, but we're actually never there with him like in it because he's always running back towards something that's already happened and he can't get over and just keeps him in this like violent loop. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of what makes Spike so tragic is he's definitely, I would assert he's a character that doesn't really get his completion moment. Because to your point, Mary, you know, so much of Spike's angst in the series is his relationship with this other character, Julia. And, you know, that's so much, that's such a core part of his identity, the the angst that he has (laughs) over this relationship. And when she returns and there's an opportunity for them to reunite, in some ways, some people might say, oh my God, yay, it's, it's the happy ending that he deserves. But In actuality, it's kind of a shitty relationship, and I don't think he's any better of a human for being with her than for being without her. And I think this bad romance, (laughs) yeah, it's total bad romance. And I think the other point that it pulls here for anyone listening is completion isn't just an act of releasing burdensome energy, but the idea is once you release it, what should be available to you is the future like the ability to declare what's next for you, the ability to move forward into something that's worth more. And that's what I find so fascinating in general about this series taking place in space, because space is infinite. It is infinitely expansive. And yet somehow this crew of bounty hunters seems so stuck in such minimal ways of moving forward. And I think it's a very 
a very interesting juxtaposition of there's infinitely many ideas out there and they're just sort of in the same routine over and over again and they can't get out of it. Yeah, and but it's that's why this is perfect. It's because they have infinite they have infinite number of possibilities at their fingertips, but stuck in this loop because they can't get past the the old feelings, what had happened, um, and what they think happened, not even what the truth of the matter is. And along with that, you see it play out because how many times do they actually get their bounty? <laughs> I mean, so many so many of the episodes they actually lose money. I don't know how they survive. And you actually see them struggling with scarcity and trying to find money and feed the dog and eating the dog food at one point because they can't move forward. And it's really sad and heartbreaking because they're all brilliant in different ways. And talking about that, I think my other favorite, favorite character is Faye. Someone who's really tied to her past because she doesn't know it at all. Like she's blank. She, um, she was cybernetically frozen. She was cryogenically frozen for many years. And then she wakes up as a young woman who's like, I think, 21, the body of a 21-year-old, but no recollection of her past. And with a huge debt that she stuck with for medical bills. And the thing about Faye is that she stuck with the not knowing of who she is. And that's what keeps her tied to Bebop. It's like a being unable to be comfortable with who she is in the present moment and trying so hard to run back to who she was. And um, one of my favorite moments of the series, Christine, I don't know about you, was when she finds the VHS video and it's a little girl version of her telling her, hey, it doesn't matter. You are and I am who we are. And that's it. And it's that moment that I think actually starts to shift something for Faye. Yeah, and you know, I think... For me, part of what makes Faye such a complex character is you see this over and over again in the series. She loves to run away from Bebop. Like the closer she gets to Jet and Spike and the more she cares for her companions, the more often that she'll like run off for a bit because she has this theory of she'd rather be the one to leave than the one to be abandoned. And I think it's such a fascinating relationship pattern because I think a lot of where that comes from is I believe the like really the person who's guilty of abandoning Faye is herself. You know, she's completely here. She is the mind of a 74 year, not that she acts 74 years old, but, you know, she should technically be 74, someone who's lived an entire lifetime. And instead she's been frozen away and she's completely lost who she is. And it's like her losing herself has her in this constant fear of who else that she might lose or be surprised by. And so to your point around completion, Mary, it's, it's like when she catches that glimpse of herself, like when she returns to herself for a brief moment with the VHS tape, it's, the one, it's one of those refreshing opportunities where she really gets to be with herself again and feel motivated and feel encouraged because otherwise she tends to be a very arrogant and lazy character. Yeah, I don't think I liked her until like midway to end of series because she's not, she doesn't, she works really hard not to make herself likable. And you see her selfishness kind of pose as a defense mechanism to keep people out. So, but let's talk about two other characters that are kind of a little bit outside of this, but still part of the Bebop crew and who are actually a lot of fun. And they're Ed and Ayn. So Ed is like this um, young girl and she's a hacker, brilliant hacker. 
And Ed's story is that her father abandoned her and she grew up in an orphanage and she, I think she's looking for family when she finds Bebop, you know, a sense of, hey, this, this crew, they're misfits, but they're cool. I like them. And she kind of just like grabs onto them and says, I'm going to be part of your crew. And then there's Ayn, who's a dog. And Ayn is actually a lab experiment. And we're not sure what happened with Ayn or what they did to him, but he's a really smart dog. And he, like, uh, just bonds with Spike who ends up rescuing him and becomes a natural part of the crew as well. But the dynamic between Ed and Ayn is probably one of the most healthiest I've seen in this whole series because they actually act like a young girl and dog when they're together. And that's really cool and a little bit outside of that. And you also see that, that when Ayn actually reconnects with her father she leaves the crew because she's like oh I, this is this is actually where I belong I belong with my dad and you see Ayn follow because Ayn and Ed have developed this bond together and Ayn is also really smart he's like I don't know what dysfunctional loop you're in but I'm gonna stick with Ed <laughs> Yeah, um, I would love to know Ayn's uh, deeper inner workings. He's one of my favorite characters in the entire series. I feel like even for people that don't watch anime, they all know about the space dog. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But, you know, the other thing I love about Ed is she's probably one of the only characters that looks towards something. And what I mean by that is you were talking about this, Mary, like she joins Bebop because she craves connection and she craves a sense of family. And even though you could argue like, oh, well, she's incomplete about that. She feels like she doesn't have family. What you notice about her that's different from the rest of the crew is rather than pine in it or being complete about it or sit and feel sorry for herself, she's the one that chooses Bebop to create the experience that she wants to have a family. And so I think it's part of why she and I create this very healthy, friendly relationship with each other. Because Ayn, while he's incredibly intelligent, is still a dog. And all dogs want to do is love people. And so you see Ed being at cause. We've talked about responsibility before in this series. Like You see Ed being at cause to create the experience of relationship that she wants with Ayn. And so she's one of the only characters that has a future trajectory. And so even when she eventually does reunite with her father and go back with him, It doesn't feel like the same step backwards that Spike reuniting with Julia feels like because there's a sense that she's grown and she's chosen this because there's a future for her there. It's not just a return to what was normal or what used to be. Yeah, and um, you can see how every other character doesn't have that same opportunity at the end. They all kind of um, are stuck with Spike in a way. It's kind of like Spike choosing to go back to Julia and going to beat Vicious keeps them all in this holding pattern. And of course, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the ending, <laughs> um, Spike, we're not sure what happens to him. We're kind of left in the unknown. Like, did he move forward or did he end up dying? And then if he died, then what happens to the rest of the crew? Instead of it being, well, each person is an individual and can get to choose and create what they want from it. I mean, imagine if they'd all gone through completion, what they would have been able to create together as as a Bebop crew. Like, how cool would that have been? And what would that story have been? Instead of, like, failed bounties, 
what together could they not have accomplished? Yeah. And so with that in mind, as we start to wrap up this episode, Mary, if you could have picked one of these uh, unfortunate crew members, so to speak, if you could have picked one of these characters to coach or to work with, whether on completion or anything else, who would you have chosen and why? I think I would have loved to have worked with Faye, actually, just about being okay with where she was. Like, um, she's so stuck with not knowing and that keeps her pushing people and relationships away that I would have worked with her on actually being okay with it. And just reinforcing what the small child in her told her. Like, doesn't matter. Like, you're, you are who you are. And you're now, you're here now. And what in this present moment do you want to create for the future? What about you, Christina? Who would you want to have work with? Ooh, well, first of all, I would want Ayn to be my coach. I would absolutely hire him in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, but who I would want to work with, I think Ed. You know, even though we really talked Ed up as having her shit together better than most of the characters, I think I always... I always gravitate towards the characters that could be leaders, but just aren't. And I feel like if Ed were more outspoken about her process and her vision for the future, she might have been able to get some of these other guys to get over their angst and maybe create their lives differently. And so what I would want to coach her around is like, hey, you see, you say you're here for connection and family. Who do you want to be for your family? They're all mopey, sad, angsty, incomplete. Like, what do you want to do around that? Do I want to watch them continue to despair or do you actually want to bring what you see as possible totally i mean and i'm so down for Ian as a coach let's do it i think we should work on that christina have like a coaching dog day well with that in mind what i was going to say afterwards to that mary is if you know any other anime dogs that you think would make great coaches perhaps that in itself is a secret episode maybe that'll be our april fool's day episode but yeah, God, Cowboy Bebop, what a behemoth of a show. I don't know about uh, anyone else who's listening to this, but sometimes I almost don't want to talk about the OGs because they're so precious to me. And the way I like, like I could get incomplete around it, like the way I remember them, I don't want anyone to tell me they remember it differently. But I think what's also great about it is these are series that have, you know, had an impact on generations of people. And so from here forward, if there are any other series that you would classify as OG, or even just like in that category of they hit it so mainstream that anyone would want to talk about it, and you want to see us cover it on the show, please let us know. Send us an email. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. Uh, We'd love to cover it for you. And please remember that this is also, there are so many different aspects of Bebop, and we could talk about relationships, we could talk about integrity. There are so many different topics that we could bring to this conversation. So if you're interested in a specific character, something we didn't talk about, let us know, and we're happy to cover this one again. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a comment. Um, send us DMs, follow us on our Insta. Yeah, and thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in our next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? 
In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at HereXTinaRoar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.